More often than not, when I choose a missing person or homicide victim to research for an episode, I find that there's an incredibly close anniversary or a significant date around the time that I either started researching or that the episode will drop. This case in particular, I began to look into and found that the time of the year that Mary Davis Johnson disappeared was incredibly close and that she had been missing for two years now. You see, Mary's husband reported her missing on December 9th, 2020, but she had already been missing for at least a couple of weeks. At 1.52 p.m. on November 25th, 2020, Mary texted a friend that she was almost to the church while she walked on Fire Trail Road, but she never made it to the church, and it seems to have, it seems to be that she disappeared from the face of the earth. As we move into the third year since her disappearance, her family is left to wonder, where is Mary? I'm your host, Catherine, and this is Murder and Mediumship. As we crawl out of December, I wonder if y'all are feeling the same energetic shifting that I've been feeling moving into January. It almost feels like we're getting hit with this stop and go of clarity and action, and then we have to sit and be peaceful and charge forward, then sit and watch and wait for what happens next. This shift is incredible because that stop is going to do exactly that soon. It's going to stop, and we're just going to be flying by the seat of our pants in the direction of what we've been manifesting for the last two years. If you want to ensure that you're consciously manifesting your desires rather than accidentally manifesting more feelings of stagnation and frustration, because that sounds fun, right? Whether we realize it or not, every thought we have is working toward a manifestation, and we want to make sure that it's something we want to happen rather than what we're trying to avoid. Join me Sunday, January 29th for a 90-minute manifestation workshop, The Magic of Manifesting, to learn what habits to drop from your manifestations and how to call in the life you desire effectively and effortlessly. If you can't make it to the actual class, no worries. You'll receive the recording, but you do have to sign up to be able to get it. It will not be available for purchase afterwards. And just one more thing, and that's the Psychic Circle. Intuitively Aligned Basic Tier is almost full on Patreon. I believe we only have room for one or two more members. So if you'd like to be a part of intuitive practice and development on a regular basis, then get on over to patreon.com slash murder and mediumship and get in while you still can. Now that takes care of business, and I want to get back to what you all came here for, what happened to Mary Davis Johnson. Mary was 39 years old when she went missing from Fire Trail Road on the Tulalip Reservation in the state of Washington. Mary had a rough life growing up with her three sisters. They were in and out of foster care and abusive situations while their mom struggled with substance abuse. Her sisters, two of them, Jerry Davis and Nona Bluin, said that growing up, they were all very close. But as they got older, Mary unfortunately began to struggle with substance abuse as well, and that made it pretty difficult for them to stay close with her. However, according to those in contact with her around the time that she disappeared, she was walking to a church on Fire Trail Road where a friend of hers was actually picking her up to drive her to Oso, Washington, where she has a place to stay and receive help while she gets clean. Many believe that's where she was ultimately headed that day. However, like I said earlier, she never made it there. And according to a few sources, Mary had actually taken a ride from a friend on November 24th, 2020 to the Tulalip Tribal Court just to obtain legal advice about filing for divorce. 
She and her husband were actually estranged, not living together at the time and barely in communication from what I understand. But the Tulalip Tribal Police Criminal Investigations Unit searched her last known location, nearby wooded areas, walking trails, and according to them, they spoke with anyone and everyone who was close to Mary. The Tulalip Tribal Police Chief Chris Sutter told CBS News that they knew of three people who last saw her on Fire Trail Road on the day of her disappearance, and those people have all been interviewed. He says that phone record searches have shown them that it was possible that Mary was taken to Oso, Washington, which would be roughly 30 miles from the reservation, I believe north of the reservation. Cadaver dogs were also brought out to search Fire Trail Road and Eric Johnson's previous residence. But what doesn't make sense to me is that if Mary was taken from the road, they likely didn't kill her there. And while what do I know, it doesn't feel to me like she was killed at Eric's place either. While the U.S. Attorney General's office and the FBI are working with the Tulalip Tribal Police, Mary's sisters still feel alone in their search. In 2021, after Gabby Petito went missing, Mary's case got a little bit more attention just because of Gabby's father pushing others to use Gabby's name as a hashtag on other missing persons cases in order to get the information out there for people who didn't receive the same level of attention. Attention that everyone deserves. That has since fizzled out, though, and they're back to doing anything they can to find their sister, no matter what that means. And while I was researching, I stumbled upon a documentary in the making about Mary Johnson, and I'm not going to lie, it got me really excited to see, just to see it getting this, any of these cases of missing Indigenous persons getting this level of attention. The documentary is called Missing from Fire Trail Road. The creator is a French-American, Sabrina Van Tessel, who's been highly involved in interviewing family and connecting with the ongoing Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Crisis. I have to say, I'm fangirling a little bit over her work, and I cannot wait for this documentary to come out. I will absolutely be watching it. But according to Van Tessel's social media, it will premiere in just about six months from now, which should be, if now is January 2023, about May or June of this year. If you're listening to this later, then I mean, then it's actual drop date. The Colombian reached out to Van Tassel about her documentary, as well as Jerry and Nona. Now, Jerry was quoted in the article saying, if she, Mary, had white privilege, we would have answers. This would have been solved. And sadly, she's probably not wrong. In her work, Van Tessel has found that predators know that they can go on the reservations and take advantage of the girls and women there because they know nothing will be done. There will be no negative consequences for their actions. Jerry and Nona continue to fight for attention to their sister's case with a billboard on Interstate 5 near the reservation. They also landed an interview with Red Table Talk, a Facebook watch show hosted by Jada Pinkett-Smith, Willow Smith, and Jada's mother, Adrian Banfield-Norris. Now, during this conversation, Nona tells the host that she believes her sister Mary was trafficked. And this isn't hard to believe, as there are over 5,000 missing Indigenous women. And like we just said, predators know that those Indigenous women will not be looked for. Not only that, but according to the Davis sisters, there's a web of police jurisdictions that allow criminals to target Indigenous women and actually get away with it. And I really want to say here that I don't feel like that's too far-fetched or crazy. To believe that law enforcement is always doing the right thing, I think we've seen in the last few years that we absolutely know that that is not true. And obviously, I'm not saying all police are bad. I'm not saying all police are good. What I am saying here is that to believe that there is corruption within law enforcement and active trafficking, I 
I would believe it easily, honestly. The sisters also feel, though, that the tribal police are keeping information from them. And this feels too easy to believe as well. There's so much wrong with this system on all levels of the system. Nona and Jerry have expressed that it very well could be, in their mind, Mary's estranged husband, Eric Johnson, had something to do with Mary's disappearance. At one point, Mary and Nona actually sued the foster care system that allowed them to be abused and traumatized repeatedly, and they were awarded a $300,000 settlement. The idea of Eric being after Mary's money is feasible, right? We see it all the time. Greed is a dangerous thing. There's only one tiny little huge detail here that I had left out previously, and that is after Johnson reported Mary missing, he left the very same day for California and hired a lawyer. The perplexing thing here, though, is that there were checks left uncashed and unopened in the mailbox for Mary. I have to imagine that someone like an estranged husband would try to cash those checks before getting rid of her. It just doesn't add up to me there unless something went wrong or unless she was trafficked and he had nothing to do with it. Hiring a lawyer doesn't necessarily mean he has anything to hide, though. We obviously don't know enough to say he had any involvement, but it certainly doesn't look good to report someone missing and skip town, not just town, but to move to another state entirely, all on the same day. If he was involved, then leaving the state complicates an already complicated jurisdictional web of confusion. To add to it, he was invited by Jerry to attend an event to advocate for Mary and to renew law enforcement's interest in the case in December of 2022. This is around the time I started researching the case. Missing and murdered Indigenous women advocate Roxanne White has since set Jerry and Nona up with legal counsel. And what bothers me, though, is that she was allegedly walking with someone, Mary was, on Fire Trail Road on the day that she disappeared. A friend of hers, and because that friend was with her, the original person giving her a ride to Oso, I believe, couldn't fit both of them in their vehicle. So did the gentleman she was walking with make it to the church? Was he still with her? Who was he and what happened to him? And I'm sure maybe law enforcement knows the answers to this, but I for one feel like this is a pretty big hole left in any information that I could find about it. I have so many questions about this case, and knowing that so often cases of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls go unsolved, who knows if Mary's family will ever have the answers that they so need. Jerry told the Colombian, Mary may not mean much to society, she's just a native, but she means the world to us. Every life should have the same value, but somehow, in America, it doesn't. I feel like we could go down that rabbit hole for days. As of April 2022, there were 114 active missing persons cases involving Indigenous persons in Washington state. This number may not be and likely isn't accurate, as Indigenous persons are usually misidentified in law enforcement databases, listed as white, Asian, Hispanic, or just multiracial. A year prior, the U.S. Department of the Interior Secretary, Deborah Holland, the first Native American to ever serve as a cabinet secretary, announced the implementation of a new unit within the office of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And that's a missing and murdered unit. That's there to put pressure on the federal government to pursue these cases just as fiercely as they should. In addition to this new unit, the Washington state legislature has passed multiple bills sponsored by Representative Gina Mossbrooker. These bills resulted in the hiring of two tribal liaisons at state police headquarters who have been able to go over the list of known missing indigenous persons and remove them from the list because they've been found or because of community involvement initiated by the liaisons 
they've been able to add people to the list who weren't even on it, sometimes who were on it but were misidentified, as I said before. This list is what is published by the National Crime Information Center, and that's something that is handled and um, looked at by law enforcement across the country. So to have this accurate is really important. And up until recently, Indigenous law enforcement didn't have access to this federal resource either. In March of 2022, the first in-nation alerts for missing Indigenous persons was put into effect. This is huge. This is essentially like a silver alert or an amber alert. When any Indigenous person goes missing, the alert will be released nationwide, just the same as it would be for an amber or silver alert. Progress is being made, but it's nowhere near enough yet. And just to show you how nowhere near enough it is, one of the people responsible for um, issuing these alerts, I can't remember her name and I didn't write it down and now I'm, I'm kicking myself wishing that I had, but she said that she hopes that this doesn't flood the system. And I understand what she means by like oversaturating it in, in that if someone's reported missing and they're not, she hopes that that doesn't distract law enforcement from moving on to someone who does need help. But ultimately, Maybe this is exactly what is needed to get enough attention to saturate the system, to flood the system, because they alone could saturate the system with the the disproportionate number of Indigenous people who are missing compared to the number of people missing in the country and the population of Indigenous people in general. Maybe it should saturate the system. Regardless, I digress. According to Nona, Mary's case is difficult, but it isn't uncommon, as we well know. Mary was last seen on the reservation, which means that the FBI can help, but the local sheriff's department cannot. To add to it, Mary is half Native American and half French-Canadian, Caucasian. So even if she were found enlisted in a database... It's very possible that she could have been misidentified. And by found, I mean, unfortunately, if she were found and listed as like a Jane Doe, her race may not be correctly identified. Her ethnic background might not be properly documented because the documents don't allow for that, which is why Representative Deborah Lakanoff is working to restructure how people are identified by their ethnic background when being reported as missing. Currently, they can only check one box, as I was saying before, multiracial, but she's seeking to have that change so that they can check off all of the races and ethnic backgrounds that comprise their multiracial identity, making it easier to identify them and deconstructing structural racism in the process. I mean... Can we ask for any more? Additionally, a House bill has been introduced that will enable family members to visit the place where their Indigenous relative's body was found so that they can pray over the body before it's moved. The same bill is seeking to pilot new centers for trafficking victims to receive, quote, wraparound services, where victims can receive counseling and help in a safe place with security on site to ensure that they are not in danger of being trafficked. Remember, when we think of trafficking, we often think of people being kidnapped and taken hundreds of thousands of miles away, but this isn't always the case. You can be trafficked and still return to your home every night and be trafficked during the day and made to engage in whatever sexual activities and return, living in fear of your trafficker that if you don't return, you or your family will be injured or killed. 
So for more information on how you can help, I'm leaving a link to Native Hope, an organization addressing the injustices done to Native Americans that shares Native stories, provides educational resources, and assists Native communities. The FBI is offering a $10,000 reward for information that results in conviction pertaining to Mary Davis Johnson's disappearance. The Tulalip tribe is offering an additional $50,000 reward, and that number may go up. I know it was recently listed as $40,000 and has gone up to $50,000. I want to say before I close this episode that all of these bills that are being implemented that are going through the House, it's really, it's great that they're going through, but it's even better if they're actually supported and implemented properly. So we've seen before where the federal government just gives lip service, right? And we're really hoping that this is more than lip service. But the way that we make it more than that is by standing up with the people who need us to stand with them. We raise our voices to amplify theirs, right? And that's what is important here. And I'll leave you with this from Abigail Echohawk, the executive vice president of the Seattle Indian Health Board. She says, the reality of violence against Native women is because this country has created an environment where raping us, where abusing us, where trafficking us, and where killing us is done with absolutely no to very little consequences. If it resonates with you, share this episode, share the story of Mary's disappearance, click on the Native Hope website, share that Make a donation if you can. Learn more about what's going on as knowledge is power. And thank you again for listening to Murder and Mediumship. Come back on Thursday for more of Coffee and Conjurings.